Blog Talk Radio. in the a.m. I am your host, Jake Counts, writing Shotgun with me, T.J. Smith. T.J., thanks for coming aboard this morning and getting up. No problem. Well, we're going to be rivaling Sally's Flower Show this morning, so hopefully we'll be able to draw an audience. I did want to thank all the listeners for um, for supporting us and you know making us a, a featured show on Blog Talk. That was, uh, that was pretty exciting. Uh, got us a little bit more attention. But uh, once again, this is always uh, second-level thinking. So today, TJ and I on the show are going to dive into – I'm going to go back to the old format. We're going to dive into a little bit of the news, current events, and then we're going to cover the topic for the show. The topic for the show today is is mind control, and we're going to go over you know a, a bunch of different things. We're going to go over operant conditioning um, mass manipulation and um, you know just basically cover the waterfront and, and try to get people to think outside of this box that they've been programmed to think into you know think inside of which is uh, television and uh, group think and um, what we like to call the mainstream so you know first I did want to go on topic and talk about um, this movie that I just watched with my wife it's called uh, you and me it was actually a, a documentary about the UN and about the, what their agenda is overall and how they get these things accomplished. And it was an absolutely fabulous documentary. If you got Comcast, you can actually get it now, um, same day as theaters or whatever. It's it's a it's a little steep, but um it's really worth it if you if you don't really know about how these things work and how bureaucracy works and and the underlying – and I'm not going to spoil anything from the movie because bits and pieces of the movie are, are very informative because it really does delve into what exactly is the UN's job. And it talks about how they've strayed away from their original charter, which was supposed to be to, to end world hunger, to protect the unprotected, those types of things. But what you really get out of the UN is just a bloated bureaucracy of people just trying to hold their positions of power and not making any rash decisions to to um to change their position of power. So once you have people in in a mindset of where they don't want to make a mistake and they just want to go along to get along, you get exactly what we have in the United States today, which is just an an absolute barrage of of mind control a barrage of a of a public that really is detached from reality and and I'm not meaning to to really, you know, dive into a, you know, people's personal lives but but what you see on the street and what you see from people that that um that try to break out of the matrix is is you see a a what what TJ and I consider a, a group of zombies if you will 
people that just follow mainstream and they will um not to say that mainstream is bad but you know, sometimes you have to sit back and, and take a step back and, and wonder what's really being fed to you and why is it being fed and, you know, all your insecurities being played on and those types of things. So I did want to jump into the news really quick, but You and Me was a was an excellent documentary, had a little bit of a, um, of a, a, a pro-Israel slant, which is fine, but uh, just understand that anytime you're going to watch a documentary – there's going to be an overlying objective, and and the guy did a really great job of just being, um, you know, being objective on on the majority of things. So transitioning off to that, Fast and Furious, TJ, you know, this stuff is is just an absolute joke. You know, people like myself, people like TJ, that have been listening to Infowars, following Drudge Report, you know, th- these things have been going on, and and these leaks have been coming out for. For for almost a couple of years now, and it even dates back to the Bush administration when they were doing um, Operation Gunrunner or whatever it was called with uh, with Janet Reno. So so TJ, what's your take on the on Fast and Furious, and um, and what do you see from this executive privilege that our that our Lord and you know Lord and Savior Obama has invoked here? What do you see from this, and, and where do you think this is going to go? And and what kind of ramifications is this going to have on the uh, on the DOJ and Department of Justice? Um, well, I mean, you know, the whole entire um, Fast and Furious program from the get go to me, and if anybody can see, is just it's basically them telling the whole entire American public that hey, we are the people who are shipping the guns down. And clearly, if the guns are coming down there, the drugs are coming up. And, you know, their whole lie about how they wanted to track the guns when all the guns they shipped down to Mexico, out of all the guns, only one had a tracking device. So how are you going to track all those guns if you only have one gun that has a tracking device? And then the tracking device had the had the battery go dead after like a couple hours. And they're like, oh, we just couldn't, you know, we couldn't foresee that being an issue. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and... Um, it's the biggest slap in the face, you know. They basically told the whole entire American public, they told the world what they are doing, but nobody cannot read between the lines. They talk about they want to go they talk about they want to go into Syria to stop all all of the deaths there, but when you have more people that have died inside Mexico than have died inside Syria and almost Iraq combined, you know. So there's Mexico is suffering a severe a severe problem with innocent people dying every day. Um it wasn't not that too long ago that they um I believe that they dumped was it forty eight dead bodies? Yeah. Yeah, you know. So but yeah, they want to go into Syria and but just below our border we have a drug thing going on. But they don't want to go into there is because that the US government is actually bringing in the drugs. So, so you're telling me that our government is going to bring the drugs in, and, and then how are they going to launder the money? Are they going to launder it through big banks like Wachovia and Wells Fargo that they got caught doing you know, uh, a, a year or so ago, uh, $370 billion worth of drug money, and then get your you know, $3 billion or $3 million fine? Is that what you're trying to say, that, that, that the U.S. government is somehow in cahoots with the big banks? That can't be, TJ. I mean, like, I would I have mean, heard. I would have heard from Fox or CNN. They would have told me this. Well, the only problem about it was that you know this 
Um, the information that she was actually talking about actually did come out. It just didn't come out um, inside the mainstream media news TV. It was actually published on the mainstream's website's news, um, where, of course, uh, I don't think a lot of people read anyway. But, yeah, Wells Fargo was called lunging billions of dollars um, for the drug cartel, and yet you saw no sanctions, you saw no you know, criminal investigation, you saw nothing so what. So, I mean, hey, who cares? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And And piggybacking on top of the banks, let's talk about what's going on over in Europe. And for those of you that don't know... Um, you're probably under a rock if you didn't know. The euro is in a is in a little bit of a global crisis. Now I covered this on uh, the broadcast probably about a month or so ago, and you know just listening to the experts like you know like your, your Gerald Salentes and, and your people that that are not going to just sit on you know sit on the mainstream bubble if you will. And regurgitate the talking points of well, the economy's you know it's a slow recovery. It's a slow. Come on, guys, we've been in a slow recovery for three years. This is not a recovery. This is a sham. And you guys have to you have to be aware of this because the only way that you can that you can stop this and that the population of the world can stop this banker occupation is by waking up to what's going on. They're they're systematically dredging through these countries, and, and I even brought it up on my like I said brought it up on my show a month ago because I was listening to you know Gerald Salente and I was listening to these these other you know economists that were talking about how the euro was set up to fail and they would talk about the debt to GDP ratio and they would talk about how insolvent these countries were because they were signed on to these fraudulent derivatives debt which derivatives are just Basically, money made out of nothing, as I, you know, as we've covered before here about how fractional reserve banking works. But you see, you see everybody in the United States just saying, "Oh, that's really, that's really too bad for Greece." Guys, we've got ten times the debt, ten times the debt of what those countries have over there. So. Think about it in terms of this. If the U.S. world reserve currency somehow goes away, then we are in we are in mega trouble. And, and uh, TJ, do you think that the American population can even fathom what a uh, what a depression would look like? Do you think that they're so plugged in to to this pop culture that they can't withdraw and say, "Oh my God, what if my money couldn't buy anything tomorrow?" Do you think that that even crosses their mind? I don't actually think it does cross their mind because, um, you know, they have been conditioned to not think about it. And, of course, since, I mean, you know, the generation that I live in today and the generation that came, uh, like Generation X, Generation Y, even the generation before that, they never lived through the original Great Depression, so they don't know how hard it was. So if you take the original Great Depression and if you actually maybe times that times T- 10, then when the new depression actually comes up, it's going to be that much worse. Right. And, and and I'm not saying, and I'm not getting on here fear-mongering everybody. I'm just saying you need to plug in and figure out what's going on. We had Ben Bernanke and, and for those of, you know, for those of my listeners that, that, that know me, 
I was irate on Wednesday because Ben Bernanke came out and announced softly that they're going to start putting more money into the money supply, which is not going to solve anything, everybody. Once again, the more money you put into the money supply, the more that you decrease the value of our currency. So in essence, he's kind of being counterproductive here, but he's always saved, you know, posed as the savior of, of, of stopping all this mess. When, when re, in reality, the mess is the fractional reserve banking system in the first place. You're making money out of nothing. You're giving private banks the ability to control the amount of currency in a population. It's just a recipe for disaster. And oh, by the way, we pay interest on the money that we get from those private banks. So it's the double-edged sword. You know, you, you really can't get away from this system until it completely collapses, and then guess who's going who's to pose as the savior, TJ, if the euro collapses? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think the World Bank is going to come out and say, hey, we need a world currency? That will solve it? Do you think that that's what's going to happen? Well, the thing is, most likely what will happen, um, well, that if the euro totally implodes as they want to, then most likely it will be the U.S. that will have to bail them out. And, of course, that will also just lead to more money. And eventually what you will have is it will spread to the U.S. And once the U.S. actually monetary system collapsed, where now you have the U.S., you will have the European um, euro that has collapsed. And when the U.S. dollar collapsed, that's going to affect world markets worldwide. That's why you see so many countries trying to get out of the U.S. dollar and they're trying to, you know, go go back to gold and they're trying to go to the um go to the Chinese currency. Yeah. So Yeah, but you don't see that from the mainstream media because they play this freaking game with the with the public. They play this game that oh it's a slow recovery. And you know, if you're listening to my broadcast for the first time, if you listen to TJ talk for the first time, just listen. When these ex so called quote unquote experts get up on CNN, Fox, MSNBC, listen to them. They all use the same freaking words. It's a slow recovery. We're in a mild recovery right now. No! Just face it, guys. Face it. The system is broken somewhere, and the only thing that we have to do is recognize that the system's broken, and then we can try to figure out a way to fix it. But once again, it goes back to the exact same thing that the guy talked about in the You and Me documentary. It's a bunch of bureaucrats that don't want to lose their positions of power, that have no empathy for the public. The only thing that they care about is their status. And once you realize that, once that little information snaps into your head that, holy crap, these people might not be in it for my best interest or TJ's best interest or, or anybody else's best interest, that's when you have full awakening to what's going on and you can see through the propaganda that's getting pushed out by the mass media. So – Transitioning off the global economy because we could sit there all day and talk about this because it really is something that I try to get people to to pay attention to. You know, pay attention to your gold and silver. Guys, once again, you know, the last last comment on this subject and then we'll move on. The best way to find out what's going on with your currency is to track commodities. And the easiest commodity to track, and I've said this before and I've said it to everybody I know, the easiest luxury commodity to track is coffee. So next time you're at the grocery store in a week, two weeks, whatever, take a look at the coffee. Number one, take a look at how big the bag is, so how many ounces you're actually getting out of your coffee, and then take a look at your price per ounce. If your price per ounce of coffee goes up substantially in the next two to three weeks, then understand that your currency is getting devalued. It's a simple, it's a simple ratio of commodity versus currency. That's it. So moving on out of that, TJ, let's talk about – 
the UN Conference for Sustainable Development, and these bureaucrats once again getting together, talking to talking to me and you about how big our toilets can be, how 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 you know these third world countries can't build because they're going to create too much carbon dioxide, which plants breathe. It's it's mind blowing. Jump jump into that for a second. Um, well, um, a lot of these officials actually met inside Rio de Janeiro, inside Brazil, um, this actually um, this week, and their whole thing, of course, was to discuss staying green. How can we actually have humanity to stay green so we can nurture the world back to its original state and not to kill it off? Yeah. Once again, um, Mother Gaia comes above every human on the planet. Everybody love Mother Gaia, and for those of you that don't know what Mother Gaia is, just look it up. Con- continue. And when you actually, and something that was interesting, that a lot of stuff that was on their agenda was not actually made public. And usually, inside the past, when it was, uh, when they did help the conference, a lot of times they would actually let uh, mainstream media and other resources who actually attended it actually get a chance to actually to view the documents this time this was different. But um, one thing that they really want to do is they basically want to control our aspects of life so we do not, quote-unquote, damage the planet. Um, they want to control, you know, how much heat inside the house, how big your toilets can be. And according to them, any, th- any third-world country or or any undeveloped country does not or should not have the right to actually develop themselves as countries as the U.S. or countries as China is actually doing. So they, quote-unquote, do not make the same mistakes as we did. So what they want to do is they want to keep the third-world countries inside the state they are so they do not progress into industrialization. No, no, no. So you're telling me that a a world-governing body wants to keep – the third world in the third world status, but they, but the UN Charter says they want to help everybody. TJ, it says that they want to, they want to, you know, uplift humanity. So, so the, I mean, is this a complete abandonment of the UN Charter that we're seeing here? And, and what do you think has caused it? And then I'll give you my take on it. Well, you know, going back to when Al Gore, and you know, when he led this huge campaign about global warming. And now, of course, they don't call it global warming. They call it um, climate change, right? Yeah, climate change. But even before they called it climate change, like, they, first they said the Earth was getting hot. Then they said the Earth was getting cold. Now they call it climate change. Now they blame, you know, they blame it on factories at first. Then they say it was too much carbon dioxide. But plants breathe carbon dioxide. But, I mean, going back to him, we all know that Al Gore, he, you know, he works for the whole entire system. They are pushing... Um, this green system and what will ultimately come from it is they want to have a tax okay they want to tax how much carbon dioxide you are you know producing they want to tax uh, how much fumes you are burning and all of the taxes will go to fund the global government yeah and then once again they'll They'll pose as the savior with this global tax and this and these carbon emissions and this and, and they've sold the public on this falsehood that there's carbon dioxide is going to destroy the planet. Now, 
What, what's very interesting to note is that United States carbon emissions are down something ridiculous, like 70% from 30 years ago. So, so to come out and say that humans are bad, that we're, you know, that we're the ones that are causing the climate change, that we're the ones that are – I mean, they're so ridiculous. First, they come out and say it's causing global warming, that we've got to do all this stuff, and it's like, oh, well, we can't prove that, so we've got to talk about climate change. Guys, these people are scammers. And not to mention that the majority of scientists inside the world actually deny climate change and global warming. Yeah, and and it's and it's absolutely ridiculous when all these emails leak out about wow we're gonna we're basically selling a bunch of fraudulent crap here, and and all it is is to make a bunch of people rich, and and then they they pitch it in ways that are just so childlike, but but the but the but the public will eat it up because. They all want to be part of the winning team, and that really does that really does piggyback on the show today, and, and about how you're being just completely manipulated from from the from the jump, and that's why television, once again, it, it, it's a great medium for entertainment. But understand that you're getting absolutely bombarded with uh, with propaganda, and, and and propaganda is is such a really dirty word. But really, it's just mass manipulation. It's trying to get you to do things that you wouldn't normally do, operant conditioning, those types of things, to get you to buy into certain things. And you know, I was a marketing major in college for for four and a half years. I got my degree in marketing. So, in every marketing class, they teach you about you know certain colors, you know, project certain types of emotions, you know, product placement, those types of things. And, and we'll get into that in a second, but I did want to touch on one thing that came out in the news yesterday. And TJ, you and I have been talking about this since we talked about the police state, you know, a couple of months ago. And that's that they're openly announcing now through the House that, that the TSA is not going to be on the streets, but they're going to be in all these mass transits. So, so what is your take on the TSA coming to, let's say, for us that live in Atlanta? How about the TSA being right by MARTA to make you safe? What are your What are your thoughts, TJ? You know, um, the whole TSA thing is a joke from the beginning. And if anybody actually don't think so, then I mean, then you are an idiot. Well, they're keeping uh, us safe from Al Qaeda. You got to remember that. And and you know, going through and having somebody somebody grab your junk and have somebody pat you down. It, it that's you know that's security, TJ. That's that's safety right there. I mean, but the one thing people actually don't realize is, I mean, you know, even when I saw the broadcast and I talked about um, the art of war, you know, anytime your enemy is doing something on the left, you have to look at what he's doing on the right. And ultimately, what they are doing is they are using this facade for oh terrorism, terrorism. That okay, now we have to have the TSA to watch out for terrorists. And what they are actively accomplishing is that now they are having people of the U.S. to surveil the citizens. I mean, from the drones to the to the TSA. It's going to get to the point. I don't know if um, if anyone has ever seen the film with Christian Bale um, called um, Equilibrium. Uh, I haven't seen it. That film right there. I basically it goes to a complete conditioned state. You know, you're not allowed to have no, uh, you are not allowed to have any emotions. And if you do, people, they report you. Everybody is actually looking out for everybody else. And it basically causes a state of fear that now they're turning 
um, American against American, and we are now actively becoming the enemy. Yeah, and and when you say that, you're 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 really hitting the nail on the head, and it's it's really sad to see what what big government does and. You know, throughout history, large governments always turn inward. And when I say that to people, they look at me like I'm crazy. But you have to see what what is going on in the United States today. You have you have just a a race. Once again, it's a race against the population waking up because the facade of the United States, what what we used to stand for, is, is slowly going away. And and you're looking at what you're looking at the dying days of an empire. So there's a couple of different ways to go about it. Either the empire can turn on itself, you know, much like much like the Nazi regime did and the Soviets, and just start, you know, just just rounding up their citizens and and anybody that speaks out against the quote unquote status quo is going to be is going to be tortured or put in a re-education camp or something like that. And, and that's not where we need this to go. And this can actually get this can actually get halted. But the population has to realize that they're empowered. And TJ, I think that that really does transition into the mind control that that the that the population is under right now. And and for those of you that think that I'm a conspiracy theorist, just listen for the next 34 minutes, and and, and then try to think. From our perspective, or think from something that's not a mass conditioning perspective, and once again take that second level thinking and really drill down and find out what is really going on here, and what what do we know and what do we not know? That's what I always ask myself: What do I know and what do I not know? Well, I do know that that there is such a thing called universal truth. And, and TJ, why don't you break that down for us and give us some examples of universal truth so that so that people can see how far, you know, not only have we come as a nation, but how far we've come as a species to to try to understand universal truth, and then people like yourself and myself that are that are trying to fight the grain of the universal truth here in the United States. Go ahead. Um, well, when you get into philosophy and you come to the question of what is truth, whether we know really is true. Um, you basically get to the down point is um, that something can only be made true is if more than one person agrees for it to be true. And just because more than one person agrees for it to be true still does not make it truth. So truth basically ultimately lies inside the mind of several different people. So um, eventually what you see is um, a great example is if you actually go back in time and if you see when many people said that the world was flat, okay, the majority of people believe that the world was actually flat. If you was to have said the earth wasn't flat at that time, they will call you a liar. They will call you crazy. They will say that you are just saying BS. However, of course, when it was proven wrong, then they realized, okay, that the earth is not flat. That is a perfect example of universal truth. Basically, what it what it goes to symbolize was that everybody believed that the earth was to be flat 
even though it wasn't flat. So even though it was a lie, people accepted it as the truth. And since everybody at that time accepted it was true, it actually made it true. And another good example is the Earth being the center of the universe. So it's Once not again, the center of the universe? Oh, no, it's not the center of the universe. But people believe it to be the center of the universe. And so since the since the masses, the majority of people believe it to be the center of the universe, therefore, it was actually considered to be true at that time. And you had um, ultimately universal truth. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, and that's what you're seeing in the in the United States population. And. And we've all bought into it to some extent. Some people are a little bit more detached from it than others. And and what we're trying to do with this show, just to let everybody understand, is we're not trying to say that you're bad for for being part of the crowd. You're bad for you know going along to get along. But at some point, you have to you have to pull back and, and think about you know a, a little bit deeper questions rather than you know. Is the BCS championship structure with the playoff, is that really going to solve the question of who's the number one team in America? Once again, that's bread and circus to get you distracted of what the real issues are. But I can understand why people don't want to plug into to what's going on in the world because, it, it, TJ, doesn't it get kind of scary? I mean it does for people like yourself and myself that, that go way down the bunny trail and then end up turning around and looking, and, and you get to a point where – you 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 get frustrated because people can't see the things that you're seeing but i think that what our perspective needs to be for for people like yourself and myself and not saying that we that we know everything but we need to try to engage um you know fellow fellow americans and, and get them to see what's going on and i know that it's scary guys believe me i know that it's scary i know that the black uniforms scare everybody and the cops with the you know with the shaved heads and the tattoos they're they're scary but just remember they're humans like yourself and myself and and they're they're citizens with arrest powers so so take it back to take it back to a granular level and and understand what all of this stuff is and then you can start to unravel it for yourself and I'm not saying you got to spend hours upon hours doing, you know, doing research and, and reading stuff the way that TJ and I do. That's the reason that we created the broadcast is to, is to get the information out to people that don't. Number one, you don't have time to. I understand if you got a couple kids or something like that, and and you just really don't have time to figure out what's going on. We'll feed it to you, and then we'll feed you the topics that you might want to pay attention to, and then it's on you to go out there and explore it for yourself. Um, you know, so let's transition. I'm sorry I got on a little tie right there, but but I do want people to understand that we're not trying to to belittle our audience, and we're not trying to belittle anybody that doesn't that doesn't see what what's going on. We're just trying to want to get you to pay attention. That's all we're saying. And so we've gone through um, the universal truth. Now let's talk about psychological testing and and. and Mind control has been going on for about the last hundred years. Now, it's always been a, a, a fantasy of most people, especially the people that, that want power and control, to be able to control a population um, pretty much as slaves, as, as biological androids, as, as people that will just do what they're told. 
And so you have a couple of people, and I do want to touch on just a couple of studies, and I have some clips for these as well. But I do want to talk about Pavlov for a minute, and and I want to talk about what what he really discovered. And what Pavlov discovered, and everybody knows, oh, yeah, a dog salivating. But, but what he realized is that, that you could condition behaviors, and the way that you can condition behaviors is through reward. And so what he would do is he would have these, these um, I guess they were scientists, researchers, whatever, they would come in with food, and then the dog would sit there, and it would have this thing sitting out the side of his mouth to measure the amount of salivation that would come off the dog. And and what he found out was not only when the dog would just see the food, but anytime the dog would see the person in the white coat, it would start salivating. So it associated the food with the white coat. So therefore, it, as soon as it saw the white coat, it said, you know, um, oh gosh, that means I'm going to get food. So it would start salivating. You know, and a lot of people think about you know ringing bells and stuff like that, but that doesn't. It's not what it was all about. And also, just to let you guys know, Pavlov didn't just experiment on dogs. He actually experimented on children. And and I know that sounds really weird to the people that don't that haven't studied psychology, but he did experiments on children, and yes, they were kind of controversial. And also, what he found was that you can only condition behaviors that already exist. So you can't create new behaviors in, in essence. So the mind control aspect went out the window. So that's just a, a, a quick once over on Pavlov. And then I wanted to get into Skinner. Now Skinner is somebody that when TJ and I talk about the New World Order, these are the people at the top, the Illuminati, the, the command and control operators, if you will. And they write books about it. And so if you don't if you don't believe us, just you know Read the book about the three wise men or the five wise men, or I can't remember what it is, and it really does break it down. I've watched the documentary on it, but Skinner was the – basically what he he coined was operant conditioning, and I do have a clip here, and it talks about the Skinner box and, and what the Skinner box was and and how it could condition, and it started out with even a little pigeon – and it's amazing what this man did with just a bunch of pigeons and what he figured out about how people and animals can be manipulated through rewards. And, and it's not just reward. It's timely reward. So here's the clip. Can pigeons read? This one gives every indication because it's been taught to distinguish between two words and to behave appropriately. The He's learned his different response to each sign by being rewarded with food. So the bird isn't acting independently. Its behavior is shaped by controlling its environment. The first task was to isolate an individual piece of behavior and see how that could be changed. Skinner did this by keeping individual pigeons at about three quarters of their normal weight so that the birds were always hungry and food could be used as an automatic reward. The pigeon was studied in a uniform box, one it quickly grew used to. One piece of behaviour, pecking a coloured disc, was measured on a graph. Every time you hear that, that's when the, the pigeons... The pigeon learned that correctly. picking the disc produced a reward. 
then the behaviour of pecking could be studied in relation to how often that reward was offered, or in Skinner's terms, what was the schedule of reinforcement. The main thing is what's what we call schedules of reinforcement. Reinforcement is what the layman calls reward, and you can schedule it uh, so that a reward occurs every now and then when a pigeon does something. We usually use a response with a pigeon pecking a little disc, a little spot in the wall, and you can reinforce with food. But you don't reinforce every time, you every perhaps every tenth time, or perhaps only once every minute or something like that. There are a very large number of, of schedules, and they have their uh, special effects. And there is a good example of how you can move from uh, the, uh, the pigeon to the human case, because one of the, one of the schedules which is very effective with the rat for pigeons is what we call the variable ratio schedule, and that is at the heart of all gambling devices and has the same effect. The pigeon can become a pathological gambler just as a person can. Now, the fact that we found that out with pigeons and could prove it by removing and changing the schedule makes it easy for us to interpret the case with the, the, human, the human subject. We, we don't say that the, the human subject uh, gambles to punish himself, as the Freudians might say, or gambles because he feels excited when he does so. Nothing, nothing of the sort. People gamble because of the schedule of the reinforcement that follows. And this is true of all gambling systems. They all have variable ratios built into them. So what we've learned from the pigeon, it made it possible to interpret this vast field very effectively. So that's a really great clip, and it really does surmise why people do what they do. And once again, it's scheduled reinforcement, and he even goes into talk about it. You know, somewhat bragging about, well, this is, you know, this is why people become gamblers. This is why people go to the one-armed bandits and sit there all day because it's scheduled reinforcement. And so, you know, the one thing that there is to take away from Skinner and what he's what he's done for for psychology is that he actually believed to an extent that there should be a ruling elite that controls free will. And this is something very, very important to understand, that he believed that free will was an uns was unscientific nonsense and that the way that you're conditioned today is all through um, Skinner's operant conditioning and Skinner's, you know, timely rewards you know, even taking, for instance, you know, your your high school diploma, your college diploma, those are timely rewards or things that you work for, you work to achieve. And then when you achieve them, you get your little reward and you go on and feel good about yourself. So moving on from that, because I do want to get into the the government getting into our lives and government doing mass mind control. But I did want to talk quickly about um, the Milgram study. Now, this might take me a minute, so everybody bear with me. Now, the Milgram study was, and I explained this to TJ last night, and it kind of blew his mind, but what they would do is they have what's called a teacher and a learner, and then they would hire people off the street to come in and be what's called the, um, I guess, the enforcer. But this person was to sit at a, at a basically a little station, and at their station, they had levels of shock therapy. So, what the Milgram study was trying to figure out was why did the Nazis go along with um, with murdering their own people? Why would they why would they go along with murdering a bunch of Jews? And what it was was trying to figure out what kind of correlation there was between the person administering the punishment and the perceived authority therein. So the perceived authority tells a person to do something. 
and then basically they put themselves in the position to take the blame, they meaning the position of authority. So in the Milligram study, there was a teacher and a learner. Both of them were actors, but the person that was actually administering the punishment didn't realize that they were actors. And what the person was supposed to do was every time the teacher asked the learner a question and the learner got the question wrong, they were given shock therapy. And it started out with something low like 25 volts, and then it went all the way up to a lethal dosage, which was you know over 400 volts. Okay, so what what his theory was was that you know a lot of people are going to just say no, I'm not going to do this because if I hit you know over 400 volts, it's going to kill somebody. But the exact opposite was proven, where two thirds of the people that were actually in the study administering the the um the lethal dosage two-thirds of them went along with it and and it's like they lost their moral compass because they were told by a position of authority to do it and then what the position of authority would say whenever they would rebuttal and and go wow if if i do this this is probably going to kill this person and they say well i'm in charge of that let me be you know let me be responsible for that so once that happens for some reason, it removed the person's inhibitions to actually literally kill somebody and just go ahead and say, well, it's not on me. I was just following orders. And TJ, isn't that what you see from from every totalitarian regime is that when they go to the soldiers or they go to the people that were actually the enforcers, they they just say, well, I was just doing what I was told. Yep, that's exactly what they do. So, you know, when you... When you really look at it from a, a large perspective, and and I highly recommend people go watch the – there's plenty of videos on YouTube for the Milligram study. and actually shows the individuals taking the test and doing the exams, and you can watch them go through their moral struggle. And you can almost watch their moral compass go out the window when they when they start administering these shocks. And it's, and, and it's mind-blowing, and people cannot believe – that this would actually happen, but it's happened throughout history, and you know, and what you're seeing is it's happening today with these people just going along to get along, and, and it it's got to stop eventually. It's got to stop, or or we're all going to end up like Bill Cooper said, we're all going to end up enslaved if we don't really stand up to this stuff. If we don't stand up to the operant conditioning and the mind control of the mass media. So let's let's jump into TJ really quick. Let's talk, jump into Project Artichoke, and I do have a, a clip for that, and then you and I can expand on Project Artichoke and then get into MK Ultra, and, and then just take it a, a, just a little bit further and talk about how we're being manipulated even today through, um, through fluoride, which is a, you know, it's almost a, what did you say, sodium fluoride was what, like 80% of what's in uh, Prozac? Is that close? Uh, yeah, I believe it is. Okay, cool. It's active ingredient in Prozac, but not even getting into that yet. Let's talk about Project Artichoke, and here's a clip to kind of get get everybody up to speed. This is a declassified project from the 50s that the U.S. government tried to get people to basically be a biological android and assassinate foreign leaders and then also convert foreign leaders to say what they wanted them to say and then – and then basically um, return to their normal state. So here's the clip. During the 1950s, the CIA ran a top-secret operation codenamed Project Artichoke. 
According to a CIA memo from 1975, artichoke is a code name for the study and use of special interrogation methods and techniques. These methods include the use of hypnosis, drugs such as morphine or sodium pentothal, and psychological torture techniques such as total isolation. Project Artichoke arose from Project Bluebird and eventually transformed into the more well-known Project MKUltra. Over the course of this project's lifetime, it addressed several disturbing questions, such as, can an individual be made to perform an act of attempted assassination involuntarily under the influence of artichoke? To answer this question, the CIA contemplated several tactics that, were they common knowledge, would have generated an enormous uproar and outrage from the American public. To this day, the details of this murky operation are largely unknown. There is evidence that the CIA used LSD on interrogation subjects and also conducted numerous interrogations and experiments with other drugs searching for a combination of techniques and substances that could produce extraordinarily compliant, suggestible individuals. According to the current historical record, these experiments were largely unsuccessful and at times disastrous. There was also at least one documented death linked to this series of programs. About a week after a CIA representative gave Army civilian Frank Olson a dose of LSD, Olson died, crashing through a window and plummeting to the ground. The death was ruled a suicide. But how close did the CIA come to creating an unwitting assassin? The most disturbing piece of evidence comes from a 1954 memo, wherein the artichoke team describes and analyzes a plan to drug a well-connected foreign national, brainwash the subject, and return them to their normal surroundings with no knowledge of the event. The goal was to make this subject an involuntary assassin. Once triggered by a certain symbol, phrase, or other stimulus, the subject would attempt to kill his or her designated target. In other words, to create a real-life Manchurian candidate. The memo states that this is a hypothetical problem and also concludes that the operation would be incredibly difficult, if not impossible. There would be very little time to imprint the programming. The agency would have almost no physical control of the subject, and the access to the subject would have to take place in a social situation with non-CIA company. Additionally, the artichoke team realized that any news of the operation could ruin further missions. This evidence only proves that the agency contemplated these types of operations, but the lack of further detail leads many investigators to suppose the field operations may have been more extensive than the CIA would have the public believe. After no. looking through the heavily redacted files and searching for masses of missing data, we only know one thing for sure. There's still something they don't want you to know about Project Artichoke. All right, TJ, I'm going to read an excerpt really quick from um, from Jesse Ventura's book, and then I want you to expand on Project Artichoke and, and talk about MKUltra. But um, Jesse Ventura wrote a book. It's called 63 Documents the Government Doesn't Want You to Read, and this is from, from page 31. This is an actual excerpt from a, from a memorandum that um, basically goes over what the project was all about. And it uses what's called sensory integration, or what they refer to as SI. So the subject's names are blacked out, so I'll just say blank. Blank, being in a complete SI state at this time, and when told to open her eyes, was shown an electric timing device. She was informed that the timing device was an incendiary bomb that was taken then that, and was in, then instructed to attach it to a set, set the device. After Blank had indicated that she had learned how to set and attach the device, 
She was told to return to the sleep state for further instruction to upon concluding that upon concluding the formidable conversation that she would take the timing device which was in a briefcase and proceed to the ladies room. In the ladies room, she would meet a girl, meet be met by a girl whom she would never know the name and identify herself with the code word New York. After identifying herself, another blank, then then is to show the individual how to attach the set timing device to further instructions and then give the individual by blank that timing device that was carried in the briefcase to the bathroom. Placed in the nearest empty electrical light plug and concealed in the bottom, the left-hand drawer of the desk with the device for 82 seconds and then turn it on. Blank was further instructed to tell the other girl, as soon as the device had been set and turned on, that she was to take the briefcase, leave the bathroom, and then go to the operations room to the sofa and enter a deep sleep state. Blank was further instructed that after completion of these instructions, the other girl the other girl and the transferring to the other girl of the incendiary bomb was to return at once to the operations room, sit on the sofa, and then go back to a deep sleep. And they actually did this stuff. I mean, and that went off without a hitch. It goes on to say in the memorandum that it worked, that this person was – and it goes on to talk about how they were supposed to receive phone calls. It, it's just absolutely bonkers. Great book to read if you really want to understand what's happened in our past and what's been declassified from our government. And, and what do you think, TJ, from – Expanding on not only Project Artichoke but talking about MK Ultra a little bit, what do you think is going on with this fluoride in the water and and the government's hesitancy or reluctancy to to go in and and either remove it or pull it down and and just your thoughts on that quickly and then um and then we'll get a once over on the effects of fluoride. Uh, well, you actually go back inside the history, um, mainly inside the 1940s. You see that um, that fluoride was actually banned. They didn't even let um, soldiers fighting inside World War II take um, actually drink fluoridated water. And inside the Nazi death camps and inside the Russian camps, they actually used fluorides on the prisoners of wars and, of course, on the um, Jews who was actually held in the fluoride do. Well, what fluoride does is it acts as, which means that it suppresses um, the mind. It basically keeps you inside a calm state. And the Russians use this against their POWs to actually to get them um, um, to actually to talk. And when you look at Prozac, which is of course a drug used for people that is you know dealing with you know um, the mental thing, you actually find that Prozac. Is actually made of about I don't know 16.5 percent. Um, so basically, what it means is that if you take a 20 milligram dose of Prozac, which is um, a typical amount, you will be injected with 3.3 milligrams of um, fluoride. So uh, I mean. And I do want to take – and for those of you that think that, that this is kind of kooky talk, I do want to pull – and I've actually got it up here in front of me. But this is a this is a research, and I'll post this on um, on the website, wearenotcattle.net. And uh, I want everybody to read – You know, even if you just read the once-over, basically, because the, the first 31 pages are, are just summaries 
of the in-depth research. But this is a, a, a scientific review of the EPA standards of fluoride in the drinking water. And these were actual toxicologists that gave their, that gave their conclusions after seeing the effects of fluoride in the quote-unquote EPA-accepted levels, which the EPA-accepted levels are 4 milligrams per liter. And so the interesting thing about fluoride that we, we didn't touch on was the reason that fluoride got into the water was not because a bunch of toxicologists got together and said that, hey, this would probably be a great idea. It was a bunch of dentists from the ADA that said that, hey, this is going to be good for, for strengthening you know, the enamel on people's teeth. and It'll make their teeth whiter. And, and the government ran with that, not, you know, not even thinking about what the ramifications might be on, on the human body or – Maybe they did know what the ramifications would be, and it's being deliberately put into the water to um, to keep the public from from kind of um, popping out of their dream state, if you will. But here is just a, a brief synopsis, and if you guys want to find this, once I get the document up, it's on page 33. It's 33 of um, 531, so it's a pretty lengthy report. But it says, in light of the collective evidence on various health endpoints and total exposure to fluoride, the committee concludes that the EPA's um, MCLG, which is the um, composite um, number for number of milligrams per liter of fluoride, four of four milligrams per liter, should be lowered. Lowering the MCLG will prevent children from de developing severe enamel fluorosis, which they admit is, is causing it, and will reduce lifetime accumulation of fluoride into the bone that the majority of the majority of the committee concludes is likely to put individuals at risk for bone fracture and possible skeletal fluorosis, which basically osteoporosis, skeletal fluorosis, similar thing. It just makes your bones really, really brittle, and which is a particular concern for the subpopulations that are prone to accumulating uh, fluoride in their bones. And it goes on to say. To develop the MCLG that is protective against severe enamel fluorosis, clinical stage 2 skeletal fluorosis, and bone fractures, the EPA should update the risk assessment of fluoride to include new data of health risks to better estimate the total exposure for individuals. Remember, we don't just get fluoride from the drinking water, everybody. You get it from a lot of different avenues. I mean, you get it from your brushing your teeth. You get it from mouthwash. You get it from your trips to the dentist. You get doses of fluoride throughout your life, and what they're talking about is the total accumulation. And But mainly what the study focused on was how this affects children and their ability to, to actually learn. And that's why you see people like Charlotte Iserby and other people coming out talking about the deliberate dumbing down of America, which could be completely plausible if – if you have a, a huge exposure to fluoride, TJ, why don't you touch briefly on having the fluoride in, in, in babies' water that they drink, and when you walk by all these nice little, you know, these nice little um, things for, you know, babies drinking water and stuff, it all says, with fluoride, like it's this great thing for us. Um, you know, um, the, the main thing what they want to do is, um, of course, not only put in fluoride but uranium inside the water which actually decreases um male sperm count, you know, that and you know, this is one reason why I actually think that um if you actually when you go out and you see children having cancer at early ages 
And when you actually even see, um, especially young ladies who are inside their teens actually developing quicker, I believe that it is these different things they are putting inside the water and that they are spraying inside the food. You know, a lot of these um, chemicals that they are actually um, putting in, I mean, you can go back to some of these other projects like Project um, MK Delta, Project MK Naomi, where they was actually testing out biological agents and they was testing out different type of drugs and um, hallucinogens. And a lot of this stuff has actually been placed in the crops. It has not only been placed inside the water, it has been placed in some of the drugs and some of the food. So what you are seeing now is that people are being injected with this stuff. And every time you drink fluoridated water, you know, it basically, and not only does fluoridated water not only act as a suppression, but it also creates tumors as well. That's something that a lot of people don't talk about, but it does create tumors. And even though it is good for your teeth, but that's only a certain amount. But when you are constantly, think about how much time people actually consume water. Think about how many products are actually made from the same water that is contaminated with fluoride. This goes for Cokes, for any soft drinks, any other um, drinks that may contain water. So when you think about it, you actively are consuming large amounts of fluoride. And so, um, especially for younger children as babies as well, you really don't know what this stuff is actually doing to their system. This could be the reason why we see a spike inside cancer, a spike inside um, other diseases as well. And, and it's funny, in, in that study they talk about how you know that that the that the um that the EPA needs to look at this stuff. I mean, it it really does and it, it's it's absolutely amazing that that this this is allowed to go on so long and and TJ, you know how this works and and I know how this works, but like you know, it's all about the money, people. There's a lot of money to be made in this. And fluoride is a byproduct of, you know, it is a byproduct of making nuclear waste. I mean, it is a nuclear waste byproduct, so there's got to be a way to get rid of it. And if you, you know, if you put the fluoride in the water, then what I guess what their theory was was if we dilute it enough, then it should be okay for everybody and um and that the human body can just kind of kind of pass it through and not have any negative ramifications. But what we're seeing now is we're seeing the byproducts of all of these different combinations of things, whether it's the GMOs in the food, whether it's the fluoride in the water, whether it's the barium salts, aluminum dioxide that they're spraying on us through the through the um, through the contrails. You know that that is really the underlying meaning, and that's what these people down at the at the UN conference for quote unquote sustainable development should be talking about. They should be talking about these types of things that are the real environmental issues and not some phony baloney carbon dioxide garbage just so they can make more money. And you know, any closing comments, TJ, before we sign off? Um, I mean not really. I think that uh well the main thing is like we always say, people just they just need to wake up and they really need to monitor the food that you know that we are actually eating and the water we're drinking. Yeah, and I think that one one good way to start is just is just pick a topic that that we might have covered today that interests you, and then what you'll do is you'll start researching that and you'll start looking into that and you'll and you'll start to to branch off into other areas 
and then you'll really start to see that that this might even be a program that has been put upon put upon the population by an outside entity whether you believe it's you know the ruling elite the the new world order or if you just believe that it's you know that it's just a governmental mistake and they don't want to admit their mistakes so once again thanks for listening everybody tune in next saturday 10 o'clock uh myself tj be back on board once again as we say as always get a friend get informed and get involved people let's beat this new world order and let's try to change and save the planet as well